like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years. Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. All right, welcome to this edition of Firefighting Fridays. I'm Jeff Diedrich with Strategic Fire Training. Uh, today, rounding out our group, we have Arthur Ashley from Lexington, Kentucky. Good to have you here, Arthur. Thanks. Yeah, we got Chad Gruber, Jeff Shoup, and Jerry Knapp. Uh, we're going to talk some shop here today, getting into the, uh, the nuts and bolts of uh, the engine and the truck, and the rela relationship at the fire, uh, what one expects <laughs> of the other. So um, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Arthur, if you can give us just a quick, uh, a quick background and maybe your experience as an engine guy and a truck guy, and then we'll uh, we'll go into it from there. Sure. Um... I uh, started in the fire service in 1986 as a volunteer at the Arapahoe age of 16 years old. And the 80s and the 90s were fun to me because I started and I had three-quarter boots and a long coat and a steel MSA tank and a long elephant truck trunk uh, uh, hose and, and fireball gloves and all that stuff. So, uh, And then, you know, I just went from there and got on the city of Lexington in 94, and January will be my 30th year. Hmm. Um Spent a lot of time on uh, engine companies in the city, but uh, found out my passion was uh, the truck. And uh, we're dedicated trucks in our city. We don't have pumps, tanks, or anything like that. Uh, the truck does truck work. The engine does engine work. And uh, it's it's a well-oiled machine when you can operate like that, especially when you have staffing. Um, I'm a captain, and uh, uh, I've always worked in the ghetto my career the past Probably a couple of years I've been out on the east side of town, but I've actually caught a lot of fire. But uh, over over the the past thirty years, the, the, the you know the fire volume and stuff, it's been there. The jobs have been there. Uh, it's nothing, it would have been nothing to make fifteen runs on some of the ladders I was on. So uh, great crews. Uh, I was just the boss. They're the ones that made it happen. Yes, I guess that's some of the best perspective you can ask for with for an officer. Um, when, when, uh, when you were in the thick of it, uh, as an engine guy and, uh, you know, what were some of the things in the job that you were noticing? Like, wow, the, the relationship between these two work groups really does matter. What was one of the things that you can remember where kind of turned the lights on for you that, you know, this is where you are and that's where you want to be. Well, I tell you what, uh, that's a, that is an excellent question, and the answer I have is when we first started off, 
and I was on the engine company, uh, my department was in deposit pressure attack. And, and uh, I learned real quick that that was not anything that I wanted to be a part of, especially uh, when you were not good at it, not good at it. And uh, it put us in positions on the, on the hose line uh, sometimes that was not good. And so, um, but what I learned over the years is that um, the biggest thing is, is know your job. Stay to the basics. Know what's on your rig. Know what your crew can do. And the biggest thing above all that is slow down, look at what's going on versus running in the front door and not having a clue. Um, I think the biggest thing that I learned from all of it was to the, the ability to mature through it and have patience and to slow down. Um, the fire is still there. Of course, it's growing and everything, but there's things that have to be done correctly to enter the structure. I mean, there may be I mean, there may be an exposure fire we may need to hit for some reason. Lead the line. You know, lay your, your, your coupling up next to your, to your nozzle. You know, know that... 50 feet is going to get you through a 1,200-square-foot ranch. You know, just know the different links, the lead-outs for longer lays and garden apartment and standpipes. And it just and it, that was the best part about being where I was at was being exposed to, you know, I could be in a shotgun house that morning, that afternoon being in a Queen Anne or, or a Craftsman-style house, and then being a story and a half that evening that spit me back out to the street because of, how they burn on the second floor. That is nothing but a flashover container right there. It's going to flash quick, small compartment, you know, and just, I guess just picking up stuff over the years from my mentors. And, and, and I traveled a lot out of states because if you wanted to learn, you have, if you want to learn, you have to go outside of your department. And, you know, it was in the nineties, it was not well received when I come back and I was a young guy and stuff, you know, I learned to keep my mouth shut, but, until it was time for me to where I could, you know, say, hey, let's try this and that. But I had good mentors that uh, the biggest thing is to have the great mentor, the people that teach you. And I, I think I said earlier, talking to you, ignorance is bliss. These guys don't know on an engine line how to do something uh, and all these things. And I'm all about the basics. Uh, you can't blame the guys that don't know if they've never been taught. But, you know, when you've been taught, you still don't understand it or you still don't apply it. You know, we're going to save the foundation. We're going to keep the, the the truck from getting to the victims. We're not going to put the fire out. We're not doing our job. So, you know, I could sit here and talk about it all night, but I think that kind of, you know, the biggest thing for me is just paying attention over the years. Yeah. Jeff, Jerry, both of you guys have said that over the years that experience comes from everywhere from your career, whether you're observing it or doing it, watching people do it right, watching people do it wrong, or should we say just different. Um, what's some of the things that you could say over the years from going into the basics as an engine guy, moving over to a truck side or to a rescue, coming back to the engine, some of these different th disciplines that gave you guys some more insight to firefighting. Go ahead, Jeff. All right. I guess from my perspective, could you, could you guys hear me? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess from my perspective, uh, and Arthur was talking about you know everybody running through the front door, and I, I I think when you have that approach but you don't have a plan, that's when you find out ooh we can only get in so far, and when the fire's down on you or the atmosphere is down on you, and you don't have any organized truck service, it's like hey what's going on here you know. 
And this water isn't enough to absorb that heat or push this away from us. And that's when, it, you know, the, the bells should be going off about the importance of truck work. And uh, I, I, I guess I can, I can say there were, there's always been good truck service and other truck service, let's say, you know, I'm not putting the, you know, the blame on anybody. It's just the way some places operate. And uh, we've all known the department that, well, we don't have a truck, so we can't go, go do truck service. No, you have to if you want to do the job properly. And this is the thing, you know, uh, understanding that engine work is complemented by truck work. And if those buildings come like apart, you know, <laughs> it's a great feeling if you're inside, you're stuck to the floor and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. yeah, Arthur uh, made mention at the end there about the story and a half and how those small little houses can be stubborn, sticky sons of bitches because they just they get so damn hot. The windows on the gable ends are so small. The dormers are too damn small. Um, when I was a kid, Arthur, I used to if I was buffing a fire in Cleveland, I would see the ladder companies. They would actually take that stick and they would push the dormer right <laughs> off of yeah. the house. Um it was an amazing tactic, did a lot of damage, but um, not something that we would recommend, right? But that's how things got done. It was amazing yeah. when everything went from black and orange to daylight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, but uh, I guess the more, I guess, professional way of doing that is that Milwaukee cut, one way to quickly get lots of ventilation through all three spaces. Um, so one of those things, like a, if you're pinned down and the water's not working, can't see the fire, you know, we need ventilation, right? You know, I, it's the thing that I look at like this, you have to be on the receiving end. And there's three receiving ends there. There's the nozzle team, there's the guy doing the search, and there's the victims. And if you're not opening up the way you're supposed to open up, the nozzle can't push, the guy searching can't pass the nozzle or do a search. The victims are taking all the crap that's coming down on them and stuff. So, and, and as, as Jeff said, you know, there's good truck companies and then there's whatever's left. You know, a shameless plug here, not going to mention anything other than we're, we're, we've got a book coming out with Pinwell in April at FDIC. And we've written it on uh, basically what we've seen. You know, I've seen traveling across the country teaching is that. You know, predominantly the fire service is an engine driven uh, yep. thing. There's more engines than there are trucks. Yep. And guys will say, hey, we can't do truck work because we don't have a million dollar ladder trucks in out front. It's not about that. It's about the it's about the the, the task itself. So we're, we're writing a book about that. And it's about having the right tools and not just the tools, but the mindset of the tactics themselves. A lot of guys don't even know what a strategy and tactic is. They don't know to 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 be a good outside vent person, or they don't know to actually get that open up on the roof. You know, they they, they we've screened UL coordinated attack and stuff, but you got to know how to cut the hole. You got a guy maybe cutting a hole, and if let's say the engine company loses water, if you didn't cut it correctly and leave your louvers, you're in trouble because the fires will intensify. You lost water, something's happened. We leave we. We'll start cutting before the engine will even do their thing because we're not punching it yet, you know. And when we punch it, they lose something. I've shut louver louver roofs back up just to so the engine could 
you know, get water or whatever's going on to keep the fire from intensifying. And that's all communication. And, and what is the biggest thing that, that breaks down in everything? Communication. Engine doesn't know what the truck's doing. Truck doesn't know what the engine's doing. First scene, this and that, blah, blah, blah. I see is out, he, he's not paying attention. The 360 wasn't done. You got guys running into the building. We're not seeing the big picture of the whole thing. One thing that I do now, and, and I'll say this real quick, I don't put my air pack on the truck. I learned this many years ago from a mentor of mine. I do not on the truck put my air pack on. Step down out of the truck, I reach up, grab my air pack down, put it over my left shoulder, reach in, grab my Halligan flashlight. I step to the front of the truck. I start putting my air pack on because muscle memory. I don't even have to look at it. You guys don't even have to look at yours either. It slowed me down, and I'm looking at the structure while I'm putting all this stuff on. And that has absolutely made my decisions on stuff better, bar none. And and for the for the engine companies as well. And people say, We're you're losing time. You're wasting time in the front. No, I come off the truck with my gloves on and I can be at the front door and I can put my mask and stuff on in 10, 10 seconds or less. And I do that because the victims won't need me to do that. It's not so much for the nozzle team, but you know, the nozzle can't do anything until I open the door. The nozzle can't, you know, and I'm going to try to pass that nozzle to get to people. People don't understand that. They think you go in and start a right-hand search and you just go all around. No, no, I'm moving ahead of you because the people who need me first are the people who are in that area of radiated heat. This guy 40 feet away, two, three rooms back, he can wait till I get to him. The person that needs me is the one who is absolutely positively right up next to it. I'm going to tell the engine where it's at. I'm going to try to confine it, and I'll be honest, I'll try to steal it, too, with a water can, knock it down, knock the room down or something. But it's all about us working together in coordination. But the biggest thing is, 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 is a lot of America doesn't understand truck work when it comes to, to engine work. And I think a lot more structures and people could be saved if they all work together and understood it. It's, and I think some of the manuals that are out there hurt us on things. Because they split stuff up, and we're a short staff fire service anyway. So uh, that's my beef on that. And just I had to throw that in there. I apologize. So no, that's um, right. I just, think it, uh, you hit on several points there, Arthur. So we're going to kind of unpack some of it. Uh, as far as the relationship and uh, between the the engine truck work and taking that pause for the cause, I think that is really important on both sides of the uh, of of the team. So. Engine bosses need to take a moment, realize what they're dealing with, where that fire is, where it's probably going to go. Um, and then, obviously, the truck bosses need to figure out the same and then consider where those people might be or where they're likely to be um, and formulate those rescue plans. Uh, and as far as, you know, with the training sessions and what's out there, yeah, we are an engine service because that's the heart of the fire service. But... Um, to do it well, like Jeff says, we need we need a complement workforce that is on the same page. You mentioned communication as well. For me, when when there's less talk in the radio, usually the fire is going better because those are disciplined firefighters that are doing what's expected. Mm -hmm. um, so, a lot of good points. Jerry, do you want to chime in on any of that? Yeah, this this whole engine and truck thing. It, it's it's not two teams it's one team and, and arthur hit on this everybody's got to know what's going on the nozzleman's got to know what's going on the incident commander's got to know what's going on the truck guy's gotta it, it's got to be one fight you know and and I, I, all my time in the fire service i always 
had trouble with this engine truck thing. It's it's the same thing. It's the same. It's it, I got it. They're doing different functions. They got different tools. I got it. But you know, like Arthur said, we're there for the victims, and and the truck guys are supporting. You know, push. You know, getting a line in, and I don't know. I, I always. I think I think Arthur, you're right. I think the books and I think our training, you know, we can't do the whole operation in a training. So we break it down into, you know, forcible entry. You know, we break it down into stretching a line and we break it down into cutting a roof. Well, it's it's all those things put together at the right time. You know, we we had a time around here when truck come truck operations got really over overcharged. And guys would run around and clean the windows out and maybe cut the roof, you know, for, you know, smoke in the basement. So you, you all got to know what you're doing. You know? <laughs> it's as simple as that. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, two things that I want to comment on. Number one, Arthur, you're talking about the combat engineer's position, the truck boss. That goes back decades upon decades ago with Warren Kimball when he laid the template out for the American Fire Service. So this is nothing new. Mm -hmm. And you hit on something about the UL studies and all these other people who are putting together these different uh, whatever <laughs> programs. Many of them, and I got wised up down in Florida doing a class down there. Remember a couple of years ago, the guys who were uh, throwing the three-man engine out there? And you pull up and you, you got a fire and you got people trapped. Well, how do you know? Or, th or things like that. You know, they were trying to throw. And 79% of the respondents, I think, I think it was some crazy number like that, said, oh, they're going for the rescue. They know nothing about fire extinguishment anymore or the importance of fire extinguishment. If you got three people, you got to do other things. You, but you got to get water because that's the prime job of the engine. You don't have anything else. And can we get uh ventilation started well yeah but you have to have trained on it you have to say hey take a 10-foot hook and start getting those windows or whatever the case is that calls for it well when i was down there i was doing this uh presentation showing some fires and i says then what are you going to do here we're the first new engine and we got this much fire you know and we got this exposure and all this other stuff power line down in the street someone raised their hand up i says how many are going to go for the rescue and the guys one of the guys in that class says I think we're talking about a different kind of fire. And I thought, oh, my God, maybe these guys aren't seeing the volume in their fires that we're talking about in other fires. And it dawned on me. So, yeah, I, th I think that's a real problem, getting people to understand the hows and the whys or reverse that, the why we ventilate and how we ventilate. and. You know, the other stuff about the truck boss searching that stuff out for his guys. You know, it's, it's well, can we relate it to high school football with all the different divisions? <laughs> Tell you what, the one thing that I've always said, and it, it's always made sense to me, and I hope it makes sense to you guys, that, you know, I will never say, you know, a, a properly placed hose line will save more lives than anything. I agree with that 100%. But I have to add my own little flair to it, and I say it has to be in the right hands, the right person, in the right area, pointed in the right direction, and used correctly and not wasted. Especially when you're on tank water and stuff to make a quick knockdown. I have seen people waste water. 
I have seen people oh, yeah. spray from the outside. I'm like, what are you doing? People pulled the wrong hand line. You know, you could knock that down with a two and a half versus right. wasting all your money, your water with yeah. this inch and three quarter. You're pulling it based on, you know, uh, many different things. And it's just like it has to be. I think people in, in tunnel vision is the only thing I can put with it. inexperienced tunnel vision and, and lack of fire body. Yeah. So if, if you don't have those, you're not going to fires and you're not in an area that, you know, predominantly pushes, you know, good engine work and good truck work. It's a it's a different ball game. The biggest thing for us is the biggest thing for me, and I, I spoke earlier today about it in the phone call was that you know um, we have guys who, and I'm all for uh, people learning all the different methods and stuff. And I'm a big pin and hit guy and moving stuff and move through the two and a half and stuff. Pin and hit move, pin and hit move, and all that. And then, but I also say that you know. I will never take any way from anything away from an instructor who is putting the right information out there and who's honest about it. But there are things that are taught that I'm going into a house with furniture. I'm going in sporting conditions. I'm going this and that. That moving along in some of those conditions is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not as easy as it's easy for me to be in a parking lot doing stuff. But you put me in a hoarded house or just a messy house or house that's got just laid out horrible, it's not that easy, especially when it's two of you, really not that easy. That's where I think we lose things when we move that through areas that don't have anything. Yeah, yeah, training training needs to be more realistic, and if you're really uh, striving for places to train and you're regulated to being out in a wide open parking lot, you need to be very conscious about moving slow and methodical because you don't want your training scar to be hustling as fast as you can because the first obstacle you hit you're going to trip and go over and the whole thing goes to hell you know you, know, you said you slow and methodical for the engine is fast and methodical for me on a primary i mean but they're but they're methodical though you know what works right. slow moving the line great push put the fire out and moving great but i'm moving on doing my search because i don't have time you know, I'm, I'm in front of you. I'm, I'm probably going to take a beating. You may be taking a beating. And if you're taking a beating, I know I'm taking a hell of a beating right? I'm not moving. I'm right next to you saying, we got to do something. Somebody needs to open the roof. Somebody needs to be in a window. Somebody needs to do something. Something's not getting done. Yeah. And when I write up as, as, as a district district major, what they call majors, lexicons, district chief, I have two rules of thumb. 15 minutes in the fire, we've not made any progress I'm going, to, I'm going to have to pull people and say, hey, we need to do something else. If we haven't got it knocked down, and I estimate this when I'm on scene, you know, in an in a, in a urban setting, if we haven't knocked it down with 2,000 gallons or less, we still have a problem. Yeah. No, it's probably going to go to another alarm. It's probably going to either a special. It's, big, it's a big structure or whatever, but 2,000 gallons of water is basic bread and butter. If we haven't knocked it down with that, we have probably got hidden fire everywhere, places we can't get to. All the triangles you see are void spaces. You know, just it, it is what it is. And that's another thing about the fire service when it comes to truck work. There are guys who do not know how to open ceilings. They do not have, know how to open walls. They do not know how to make this area open for the engine company to do their job. Plaster and lath, as hard as it is, shiplap and stuff, you got to be trained on that before you ever step into the house to have a plan because – we're going to burn it down because and, – and guys are not ready physically either. They exhaust themselves before they ever work. 
true, true story. Whether the, and it's part of that also is part of the training and then part of the expectation of, you know, getting to a fire, guys coming off the rigs with their mask on already, um, you know, literally running to the door. Uh, you know, those are the things that set you up for failure 10, 15 minutes into the job, for sure, uh, physically. Uh, a couple of our other members jumped in here. John Mateer and Michael Heideman, you guys popped in. Good to see you. Uh, Hello. So we're just uh, trading tick and tat here with uh, Arthur Ashley on engine and truck work. Um, so Arthur started out his career uh, 10, 12 years on an engine, then made his way over to the truck. Uh, what's some of the things that you guys have seen coming through your career where you, you, where you realize that, you know, the, the different sets of, uh, of work, uh, how they exist on a fire scene and what, uh, what makes it click. Some of the examples that you've seen where the engine and the truck really did use each other on this fire and it went well because they knew what they were doing or conversely, it didn't go great because they did. One of them didn't know what they were doing. You want to go, John? All right, we'll go with Micah Johnson. He's shy. <laughs> He's not shy. I've met him before. He's not shy. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we got you. Oh, all right. I wasn't sure you could hear me. All right. Go for it, John. <laughs> no, you go, Micah. Now go. Uh, all right. So, can you hear me okay, Jeff? Yeah, we got you. Excellent. Hey, Arthur, it's great to see you again. Good you know, that's a great question because Dietrich and some of the people that may be listening, they know that I came from a, a fire department that did not have that engine company and truck company discipline. So that made it, what really brought to light was traveling around the country with our group. And then when I went to FDTN, where they actually had true engines and true truck company disciplines, working together as a team and that teamwork concept, the light bulb just came on. And uh, Arthur, I wanted to pick your brain on this a little later, but I tried to take those same disciplines and that principle back to a fire department in Manhattan, Kansas. And it, it was just so hard to, for that culture to accept the engine company and truck company discipline. So over a course of time, um, I parted ways with that department and came on the KCK and uh, nothing can be more true about having a, a true engine company and a true truck company working together and complementing each other. And the jobs go so much quicker. <laughs> the fires I used to see in Manhattan where they would take three to four hours long because people didn't know how to do the truck company disciplines. Uh, those fires here in KCK are done in 40 minutes. So uh, they really do work out. That's, that certainly is the case I've seen as well, where time spent on the scene uh, goes a lot longer if the truck work isn't efficient. Um, almost any department, almost any engine company can arrive and get water going in a few minutes. But if they can't get into the building, they can't get deep into the building, and then they can't get the water into the structure of the building, yeah, that fire is going to take a lot longer. And you just can't see and work and do, do what you need to do without – you know, that smoke going somewhere and it usually should go up. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Uh, Chad, you're being pretty quiet tonight. 
think you can uh, pop in here and give us a little something to work on. Oh, no, I, I just think I'm sitting here and I'm sitting back and smiling and laughing because I think if Shoop had been on a truck, he would sound a lot like Captain Ashley over there. I'll they sound the, they sound the exact. You mean, same. You, you mean to have a southern accent? No, no, you would never be that. Is it funny? A compliment, man. I think that's a compliment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here listening, and he's sitting there. I heard him say, "They don't know what they don't know." Um, you know, and just do the basics. Take your time. It's like. Oh my God, that's soup as a truck driver. Basics will save you every time. I don't care what you're doing. Oh, yeah. always, Anything always goes bad, you. the basics always will save you. And then, uh, you know, and I was sitting there thinking back to Texas where, you know, for a while there we didn't have a true truck company. And then now we're starting to get the true co truck companies and it does work a lot better. I mean, and then we won't even get into what I'm on. So, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I knew that'd make you laugh. Um, it's just cool hearing everybody talk. I mean, yeah, it works a lot better. And, you know, and down here we had a time where I guess there was a while where we thought it was not cool, not safe to go to the roof. And we were taking a beating when that was happening. And then over the last five to seven years, they've said, hey, we need to really work on venting. And that became, you know, you see the training circle of life where, hey, you know, hey, engine company is going to be really big right now. We're pushing everything engine. And then ventilation came back around and everything seems to work better on when we do have the ventilation. But, yeah. When you got those two on the top of my screen, there's no need for me to talk. You know, you, know, you mentioned the ventilation part, vertical ventilation. So uh, about uh, seven years ago. I was teaching at the Houston Fire Academy, and they had their busiest ladder company in the city, 51's there. And they were watching me do a vertical ventilation cut. And it was just a basic, what we call a dice cut. It's a super fast cut. It's a great cut for short staffing. And, and the, you get a four by eight hole. The day of the four by four hole is over. I mean, that was based on a certain square footage. Fires are burning faster now, not hotter. So it, it changes our, my outlook on that. So four by eight hole. So I showed it to them. And one of the guys from the company, they start pushing it. And then the other company start picking it up. And this is, this is Houston that goes to roofs all the time. And Bo Davis was speaking one time and I was sitting in his class and I'm looking there, the dice cut. I see another video somewhere, the dice cut. I see another video somewhere, the dice cut. I had a, a captain send me a thing that said, Thank you for teaching us this. Thank you for sending this knowledge here because we will never cut a four by four hole or anything like that ever the same way again. They saw how easy it was. And, and, and I, I'm nobody. I'm just a guy that just passes on the information that was sent to me. And I just said, what's best? Short staffing, because I have to deal with short staffing when I teach. And, and you guys do too when it comes to the engine stuff. So short staffing. I had to figure out, you know, like there's a place my chauffeur comes into it and I put it into the short staffing and guys have picked up on it in other departments go, that is phenomenal. And, and it's just because I brainstormed how we make this better, how we make this better. So I started pushing that and there was no greater thing that I could see that somebody that goes to heavy fire volume, lots of fire duty in their truck companies are doing a cut that I taught years ago 
to a company there. So it must have spread. Now, there's a couple of guys that I've worked with then that are on truck companies, and they said, wow, this is good, this is good, this is good. Listen, I didn't come up with the cut. I just put it into, where, into the game plan where it needs to be done and show people how to do it, and it works. And so it's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's just like when I was on the engine company, I remember sliding down a shotgun house doing the clamp slide and never even knew it was a clamp slide. I saw it later on when Aaron Field showed it. And I go, I've been doing that for years because it's easy for me to slide down a hallway that way. I mean, you know, you find things that work for you and you stick with it. So. Yeah, absolutely. You, you take your experience and, uh, you, you gather it up with some other information that somebody else hands off to you and you know you're doing a disservice if you hold it to yourself so um it's one of the great legacies of jerry and jeff both these guys they they'll tell you every time it's it's stuff that was handed to them before them and they're doing us the favor of bringing it down you know to these times so um if we can kind of get a little more into specifics uh you know, as an engine company, when we get to a residential fire, uh, our objective is once we hit that that parking brake, we want to get get that line off and water to the nozzle, buttoned up, ready to hit the door within 90 seconds. Um, what is what what are you, are you seeing typically? What's your goal as a truckman when you're seeing the engine company make the door? Without the without a forcible entry issue, what's your next move? You're you're getting in in front of that line. You're coming in helping with the line. What are you seeing, Arthur? Well, the only time I'll help with the line is when we're making the push-up steps. The reason for that is because I can't get past them until we get off that steps to start a circle. And, and I'll, I'll help them push that hose line along with whoever's with me up the steps. And we used to say, we used to say, we'll put them a nice loop at the top if we like that engine company. And if we don't like that engine company, we'll work for it. So we would go ahead of them. But making the front door, I'm moving past the, the engine as fast as possible. Uh, there's been many times I've been in a hallway saying, you know, ladder coming through, ladder coming through, move, 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 and I had to physically push people over. And, and they're not, it's nothing bad. They understand. They'll make a whole best they can. You got four grown men in a hallway, a standard size hallway in a residential house in full gear. It's hard to pass each other. And I get that. But they try to let us get past. Or if we're at the front door, I try to get in there. I try to move. My favorite fire is the one to pull up to where I can see nothing but smoke coming from everywhere. It means I have to go find it. And that's that's just one of the things I love. But getting in ahead of them, it's like a recon. I can tell them where it's at. You know, I can I can confine it. I can put it out. But I'm also getting those victims. Them getting to the front door and getting in in 90 seconds and stuff makes me hustle as well. But you know, the way we work in in, in Lexington, you know, the the engine chauffeur he's getting that line flaked out as well. We've got guys doing this and that. Truck company, my chauffeur's hitting the rear of the structure on a residential. And the reason for that is, is because we're horrible at 360s, not Lexington. I'm just saying the entire fire service is horrible at 360. So I put my guy in the rear to do so many things. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother, another class. But my job to be fast and methodical with the search, have the right tools, communicate with my guys, not stick on the wall if I don't have to make a spatial-oriented map in my head if things go bad, know where the windows are in case I have to vent for life. If I am, if I can't move, I need to say, you need to get the roof opened up. And I may, and if I'm going upstairs, 
one of the biggest things I got to do, shoots on the hand line, I'm going to try to make, I'm going to try to verbally say, we're headed upstairs. And why? Because you're protecting my stairs. And there's a lot of times we've went upstairs, we've took a beat because nothing's opened up and it is absolutely coming all up that funnel. Learn through the years, hug the walls on open stairwells and stuff because you're not in that, in that, in that furnace and stuff, you know, move fast. It's all about me moving fast. But when you guys get inside and you're moving the hose line and stuff, you slow down because that's a that's a, that is your tool. It takes a while to move it and and to get to places. I've got a tool in my hand and I've got a guy with me. And we're moving on, trucking on. I communicate. You got to communicate, communicate, communicate. That's what makes a well-oiled machine. When you run with companies that work well together, and there's not a lot of talking going on, that is worth its weight in gold because things are going well. Right on, right on. Go ahead, Shoop. Uh, yeah, we've illustrated that, uh, that fire. Uh, Two-story frame, heavy fire showing from three sides on arrival. And you got a pickup truck in front of the building and all the windows are in place except for <laughs> where the fire is coming out of three sides of the building. And you see the fire, you see the work going on in the front. And the fire's out, and the next photo shows a firefighter in the window upstairs on the second floor. And that's the whole thing about what Art was talking about there. And that is the engine is responsible for fire attack, but that fire attack and control of that situation is responsible for everybody operating in that fire guy because you've got a guy throwing ladders in the back of the building, doing VES or doing whatever. And the other thing about the nozzle, to complement what those guys are doing, you get in the front door, and of course, it's zero visibility and stuff like that for, uh, for that time. Throw that stream up that stairwell. You mentioned the open stairwell. See, now you want to put that sprinkler effect up there at the top of the hallway and just move that. You know, look, you can't see where it's going. In that case, it's, it's, it's hot, it's steamy, it's dark, you know. You got the flames knocked down, but that's, you know, just start doing the water and make sure that nozzle's full open, okay? And you'd be surprised the uh, the effect you can have on that situation for everybody working there. Now, he also mentioned not hearing those guys. Yeah, that's right. A, a well-oiled machine of an engine and a truck arriving together, those guys are doing their jobs automatically. And that's where they're counting on the engine to do their job automatically. And Jeff, you mentioned earlier that time we put on getting a hose line with water from the time the prigs put on, you know, it's all part of the, I guess you call it the process. So, okay. Yeah. So, and therein lies experience-based uh, movements. I mean, sometimes if you're outside vent, you need to be patient. You need to be paying attention. Whereas if you're searching for life, you need to move quick. If you're taking uh, taking a, the roof, you need to be able to move fast and efficiently so that you can get the roof open and actually benefit those guys working inside. Um, so, you know, the, the different types of discipline and, and the speed in which you need to get those tasks done, it varies from job to job and assignment to assignment. But Jeff, I think the commonality is understanding what's going on in a fire building. Just like Shoop said, 
he knows it's hot at the top of that stairwell. He can't see the top of the stairwell, but he, he knows from experience to put water up there. And, and Arthur was saying, you know, he, he's, he's trying to, he's, he has a mental picture of what's going on in the building. And, and you just said, you know, sometimes the truck guy needs to be patient. Well, he's not just being patient. He's basing his actions on his understanding of the fire and or what the IC is telling him. So I, I think it all comes back to this understanding of, just like you said, all the fires are a little bit different and, you know, it's situational. Whether you're an engine or a truck, you want to do the right thing for the fire for that particular situation. And uh, I, I think that's the value of the UL stuff that guys that aren't seeing a lot of fire can look at that and go, oh, okay, here's what happened in this fire. Here's where it progressed to. Here's where it didn't progress to. Um, so I think there's some value, you know, for that, especially, again, the guys aren't seeing a ton of fire. Sure. Yeah, I think it could be even boiled down to guys just, uh, you know, buffing fires or watching, yeah. you know, incidents on, on the Internet. They can they can take away what's working and what's not working. Mm -hmm. um, the issue, though, is if if you're borrowing somebody else's experience as your only virtual experience, it can get you in a lot of trouble if you're if you're not truly trained um, and, and trained as a team. Uh, we see a lot of, uh, I think, instruction out there where guys are borrowing experience of other guy, other people to sell off, you know, a, a, a type of uh, tactic or strategy that they're employing in a class. Uh, but they, like Jeff said, they don't know the the whys. They're mm -hmm. just going straight to the hows. And it, um, if you don't know why you're doing those things, then uh, you could find yourself in some serious trouble quick. Mm -hmm. Nobody's got a comment on that. <laughs> no. Humble pie. right on. Humble pie is served every day. And part of being of humble pie is to realize that somebody's teaching you something and you got to pay attention. Just like I said, if you're not paying attention, you're going through your entire career just scooting along and you're not learning anything. You're riding somebody else's coattails because they know everything. And there's guys like that. And there, there are departments out there that do not search structures. It's strictly engine company operations. They don't search structures. And I, there's a couple of large departments that I will, will not say who they are that on certain parts of their, their districts, those companies do not do a primary search until after the fire's knocked down. And I can't believe it. You know? Um, you know, Arthur, I think a lot of damage was done with you all in this and these guys who were hit preaching, hitting it hard from the yard. They were making firefighting so dangerous. And as Jeff said, these guys were taking somebody else's stuff and saying, look at this, you know, look what happened here. We're not going to go to the roofs anymore and so forth. And I think they did a lot of damage to good strategies and tactics in the American fire service by having their own platforms and people listening to them for that matter. And uh, as you're talking about no search and, you know, it's, it's like, well, then what do you do? You have guys hit it with, with the hose line and everybody else stands outside or surrounds the building or what, you know, looks at the final results. That's not firefighting. We've gotten away from it. <laughs> And I picked up a word the other day, 
and I think it's time to start using it. It's called refocus. A simple word like that. We need to refocus the American Fire Service on good engine and truck operations working together on a fire. Some of these people are saying, oh, God, you can't do that. You, you know, They've got the answers, but as Jeff pointed out, they don't have an experience in their repertoire. So, but they're out there talking it, you know, they're setting up the stage and so forth like that. Maybe there are departments out there. I see some departments, they are fantastic on roof work. I mean, they're badasses. I don't need to mention names, but you know, they're they're good, you know. And if you were to go into those departments, say, no, don't go to roofs anymore, I'll bet you they throw you out in the middle of the street too. Because that's what they do, and they do it well. So I think we need to refocus on strategies and tactics, engine work and truck work. Arthur, the combat engineer, you know, that, you know, when these guys started talking, oh, we got to start doing 360. I'm sorry, pal. The 360 has been done in many departments for decades upon decades. We were doing uh, the old show, the senior man show. And we were talking about uh, Bobby Presser and I were, were talking about both of our departments. You had an engine and a truck. The truck always had a boss. You could have an acting member on the engine because the engine crew is supposed to work together on that line. But the truck, that truck boss, and having a boss on that truck was key because, number one, he held rank. Number two, he was the guy responsible for what was going on. That's why, like, Kimball wrote that stuff many years ago about him being the combat engineer setting up, you know, where's the fire at? Where are we starting ventilation? Where do we need to start getting things in a roof and things like that? So we still do that in our department. We still, you, you can have an acting officer on the engine, but the truck boss has to be an officer, has to be an officer just for that reason right there because of, of, of everything that's going on. Yes, sir. Yep. It made sense and it worked. Guys, a lot of guys didn't like it because they didn't get their acting time in the truck. But hey, that's the that's the business. Okay, yes. so yeah, very good. Glad to see you, somebody else. When you look at it from that perspective, um, you would that makes a natural progression of experience too. Sure. It Whereas does. you know you're, you're working as a team, so you're hooked together with the next guy in front of you and the next guy behind you, and you have a common goal. You're attached to each other via the hose line. Um, it, it makes sense. And then as you get gain experience and you, you can move across the floor and now you're running on a truck and you can, uh, start making a little more independent decisions based on what you're looking at, you know, and it, that is a lot of trust, uh, that, that your crew is putting in each one of you, um, right. you know, yep. it, you hate to say it like in, in that term, but that that's where you want your most experienced and smartest people is who's going to understand how to take that building apart and get people out of it. Excuse me. Don't, don't say it like that. You hate to say it. No, you need to say it. That's what needs to be said. It's just like a poor promote a kid with three or four or five years in a job. Is he ready to be in that position? You think, especially up against firefighters who've been doing it for 15, 20 or more, or more years. No. So let's protect seniority and let's protect experience. Let's do yeah. that in the process. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, the big thing is also that I see is they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They just know that they saw it on the video. They just know this or that. They don't even know why we're pulling ceilings or why we're opening the roof or why I'm channeling uh, fire and, excuse me, superheated gases this way. You know, why are we, you know, we have a RID operation going on. And why am I cutting a hole on this end? Because I'm drawing the fire away from the guy who's in the RID problem over here. Things like that. You know, why are we cut? Why are we making this window a door? Why are we why are we forcing the door and then searching? Why can't the engine do it? Because their tool is the hose line. We're bringing the tools and everything else. Their tool is the hose line. Right. And I tell you, the one thing I can't stand more than anything is to see a two man engine company and a guy try to carry a big tool with him while he's dragging the hose. Your tool is the hose line. You don't have time to do this. And they want to search and stuff. You'll search as you go on the hose line. That's how that goes. If you've got a dedicated truck or somebody's been assigned because seating assignments and being and, and have assignments given to you and route on a on an all engine department to do truck work, you know somebody's gonna be searching. I can't stand when they try to do both things. You know, I've seen engine companies come off with a set of irons, a, a, a can, and, a, and the officer has a halog, and I go, and they come in the structure, and I'm like, what are you doing? That's not your tool. What if we need a hose line? Arthur, thanks for stepping up on our soapbox there. Oh, did I? Did, did I? <laughs> no, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we. And then number three about that every day at work. Well, oh, I might need a tool. I, I had a time this happened and that happened. A time, yeah. And listen, if I have to do the truck work, why do we need the truck company? Let's let's disband them and get rid of them if I have to do their work. Let so. me throw another one out. Okay. So we don't run helter skelter over the over the uh, investigation. You pull up, you got a light haze of smoke. Okay, you know, use your senses. What is it? Is it wood smoke? Is it whatever? You know, what should the engine guys do? Well, if your engines have like like ours have four engines or four people, if the officer says, "Junior man, bring a hook and a can with you," the other guy stays on the engine. And when the truck gets there, they should be doing the investigation work to complete that investigation. I hope you agree, Arthur. Absolutely, 100%. If they need a line, then they've got a guy from that engine ready to go, and the pump operator can help him start stretching it. It's just that simple. But how do we get away from this uh, discipline of people doing what they're supposed to do. Well, I, again, it goes right back to a lot of you junior bosses or young bosses, whatever, aren't ready for those positions. So they all have to go out and investigate. You know, they got to go see it for themselves. No, your job is supposed to be right here in this position. So I, yeah, well, it, but, okay. it's the, 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 the truck should investigate on, on, on stuff like that. Now, I'm big on the truck investigating or, or hitting the fire floor on a high rise, let me investigate, find out where it's at. I'll tell you how many links of hose or how many doors down I'm at, you know, let me do the investigation. I have the tick, I have the tools, I can force, I can do this and that. I can make life easy for you. Just stand by until I need you because then when I need you, you can show me how well you flake hose and you can move with it. Exactly. That's that's absolutely correct. We've started doing that to where, on a high rise or our, our giant apartment complexes we have down here. If a truck arrives with us, because they're from the other district, but it's real, you know, we'll send the truck up and we'll stay in the lobby. 
That way we don't deploy up the wrong stairwell or, I mean, they save us so much time. And then the way I look at it, and Arthur, correct me if I'm wrong, if they find the fire, they call us, tell us where to go. What do they need to do? They need to get people out. They're there doing the evacuation and helping us get rid of people. Well, stairwell, you know, all that kind of stuff. We, Yeah. I remember when we were putting together the high-rise plan, and we were looking at different cities. You know, uh, my one buddy who was a deputy in Chicago, he's been retired now, Kenny Wojtek. Uh, he says, are you ready? I says, yeah, go ahead. So he faxed me 54 pages of their high-rise. And as we presented all this information on, our, our, on these other departments, and it came down to the engine and the truck. Look, as you guys are talking, and I think we all agree, the truck is the one who should be investigating. You don't send the engine with their hose bundles and all their tools and equipment all over the, the building looking for something like that. And the other thing is when the truck does find where the source is and they do identify the floor, the suite, and so forth, they should also be identifying the stairwells, which is the which have, which stairwell – are they going to want us to use for the attack? What stairwell is going to be the evacuation stairwell? And what stairwell might be used for ventilation or whatever uh, the situation, depending on how big a fire you got and how much smoke you got up there. So these are the whole things about stopping the cavalry so we don't look like a bunch of, you know, crazies coming together and it turns into a cluster. Sometimes okay. incident commanders can really screw it up. What's that? Uh, sometimes incident commanders, like when chiefs go on scene and they try to get into the mix of it and they're not letting their crews work. And these are guys that, you know, that, you know, you said 54 pages. Sometimes when it comes down to it, less is more, you know, yeah. the engine does their job. The yeah. truck does their job. The second do, they're catching the sprinkler system, catching the standpipe, you know. The first 15 to 30 minutes, because you're not going to be on this fire really quick on a, on a very high fire, you know, that right. the elevators are out and you're trekking up. Even if the elevator's not out, you still got stuff. You're taking your time and stuff because you're not wearing yourself out. But I have always seen things going – well, not always. I can't say that. I have seen incidents before, and I know you all have too, that when the incident commander gets there, and we've got everything, attack stairwell, evacuation stairwell, trucks doing their thing, this and that. They throw a monkey wrench in there, and we're like, why? And i tell you why. Because guys are getting promoted in those positions in these departments who have no experience either. Yeah. And then they're barking orders, and we have to take their orders. you know. And, and that puts me in a position where, like, I know it's wrong. The engine boss knows it's wrong. But we've got this guy in here who's our new boss, and he's telling us we have to do this. And I've worked for people like that. Right. And it's everywhere. I don't care what fire department. FDNY all the way to Los Angeles. There's guys who get positions who don't need to be in those positions. It's like a guy who's been on three years who promotes to a lieutenant. That's ridiculous. Yeah, amen. Yeah. And, and there's parts of the country that they're growing so fast that that's just how it is. There's, you know, they don't have the experience. They certainly don't have the fire volume and they're just literally filling out the roster, and uh, within a couple of years, everybody's getting a button, you know. Um, tough thing to get over. Tough thing to get over, for sure. Um, regarding the, uh, the truck and the engine and the different types of calls and 
where you could plug, you know, their specific skill sets into. Um, going to commercial fires, sizing up, investigating. You know, I think having a, a dedicated truck company makes those go a lot smoother too. Um, oh, you're on a yeah. you're on a giant building, you can't get around it. Uh, best thing you can do is get on top of it. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, if you can get on top of it and size up from from the roof, it can give you a lot more intelligence on what's actually if there's anything going on in this building. Um, maybe even some specific hazards to it. Uh, Arthur, is that something that you guys would look at doing if you're at a, a large commercial alarm versus uh, using the truck company to help with the size up? Oh, man. I think he froze up. Maybe he's just really thinking about his answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's great. That's what, I was waiting for a real good answer, John. I yeah. thought, oh, this is going to be back to life, Arthur. Come back to life. While He's we gone. Wait he'll him, be back. He'll, he'll plug back in. But you guys <laughs> see what I'm saying about using that truck, right? For the, you're at that, that giant Amazon or distribution building oh, yeah. of any kind. Um, see, see, that's, you know, if you're talking about a place like that, I, again, I'm just surmising, you're probably going to have on site security greeting you because a building's that big my god i, I passed a couple yeah. of buildings today those places are a couple of million square feet yeah right. how many Over times we show up in those buildings they don't even know we they, they don't have an exactly right they're or, like then, then they go oh it's in quadrant four you're like where's quadrant four i don't know yeah <laughs> but, but see that was the old pre-plan unit like in, in in our department they would take those buildings and break them down because you had alarms for each area of the building so an alarm came in from this area well then you responded to that area according to the pre-plan but as we saw that go by the way of the dodo bird you know we lost all those pre-plans as now it's just you know helter skelter when you get there but what i'm getting at is a place like that those Amazons and what's the other one that's big out there? You know, the FedEx facilities and so forth. you got a couple million square feet. There better be a guy in a golf cart there if you don't know where you're going and you got to stop. Because, it's, once again, we talked about premature commitment of apparatus. And, by the way, are you back, Arthur? Yes, I'm back. Good. Okay. <laughs> and, again, trucks get the building anyhow or should. So, you know, I, I think we need to get back into something like that if we're going to have these buildings in our response districts. Arthur, down there on 65, south of Louisville. Mm -hmm. You see how big those buildings are that are going in? Huge. Unbelievable. Huge. Unbelievable. Huge. How are your truck companies handling alarms to there, Arthur? Uh, that right there is if we're going in on smells and bells and things like that, it's just like I do any structure. I don't commit myself to the front or the rear of the structure. I don't put myself in a position where I have to back up to move somewhere. I put myself in a position where the, dr the driver can take, the chauffeur can take the truck to the rear if they need it. Because, you know, we could get out in the front and say, hey, we got fire in the rear on a big building like that. Uh, the fire could be burning a long time in a multi-million square foot building. Right. And a lot of, if you see smoke in a big building, we all know this, a lot of haze of smoke coming out different places, there is a fire burning in there. And so when you get multi-million square feet, 
you may not know you have a fire until you get deep into the structure and, and, and or there's you walk past the firewall through where there's some doors are and you're on the other side and it's all smoke and everything. We still use the truck because of the tick and things like that as investigation before they commit putting a hose line somewhere because pulling a hose line to nowhere is wasting time. And 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 you may be so deep into it that you're gonna have several lengths of hose and it's like should we come in from the other side? Should we try to do this? Or should we try to do that? Right. That's a guessing game this day and time, the way they're building those things. And, and the way they're building them, too, I mean, hopefully that the, the, the fire protection system would at least hold it in place. But I will tell you something. When I, I, I just taught a class in an area that is full of warehouses. And these places will build these warehouses. And there's a place like Walmart will come in and they will build their building inside of that building, making two roofs, making a redundant system that you get a fire in between the real top roof and the roof of that area, or that, that storage area. You'll never get it open. Oh, you, yeah. And you may not be able to do it because of the smoke. You yeah. may not be able to do it because, you know, we all know the sprinklers is made to, to contain. It may not be able to handle it because... If and I'm sure they're all inspected, and they should be, especially in areas that are the, the pre plans and the, and the fire marshal says, and all this and that, and things like that. But they're putting us in a position where we could get guys killed in a heartbeat. It doesn't take that long to run out of air in a large building like that. There is a point of no return. You get beyond the point of no return of your air, you're screwed, especially if you get in trouble. You know, we have a 200 foot search rope. I use it every time I go into something like that, that big. And, and can we go off the end of it? Yeah, sure, people can do that. But you get to the point, you're like, you're in 400 feet deep. Why? Why am I in 400 feet deep? Because I'm not going to be able to do anything when I get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and statistically, yeah. you're in uh, you're in jackpot zone, 400 feet yeah. from the door. Yeah, that's... You need to get you need to get to into that building from a different area if that's if that's the case. That would yeah, there you God, go. There yeah, God be with you when you go in something like that because yeah. that's why you can't go blindly into something. You may have to take five or ten minutes. We want speed on a fire like this, but you may have to take five, ten, fifteen minutes to figure out: Are we going in the right direction? Is this the right door we need to be at? Is there something we don't know? And I sure hope there's somebody here that's working that can tell me where everything's at in this building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, here again, that's history. If you recall, many, many years ago, uh, Phoenix had a fire in a warehouse where the sprinkler heads went off and they had a chain link fence running down it. I remember uh, what it did. It controlled the fire, but the atmosphere went right to the floor and guys were in there and bells went off. And guys got lost. And I remember watching the video about this one uh, fireman they pulled out. Yeah, he was clinically dead at the scene, if I recall correctly. And they brought him back. But there was uh, one of those load and go situations. Don't play with him out in, the, out in the parking lot, right, when they got him out. But that's one of those types of buildings. Cold, so, smoke, will kill, cold smoke will kill you quicker than anything. You're deep yeah. on cold smoke and you run out of air, it'll yeah. kill you too. Yeah, you got, you got a chain link fence in there, you know. You, 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 so, 
Yeah, that was, that was that's the the history. We've got these histories. I think KC had one. Micah KCMO had one years ago like that. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah, they did. They had, they had something similar, but they made it out. Okay. Jeffrey. Great. Yeah. Uh, so we, we got into some uh, some of the bigger buildings. We covered some theory. Uh, where else you guys want to take this? You want to talk a little bit about uh, the diff what an engine and a truck company and how they work towards venting for life versus venting for fire? Um, that's a subject that maybe doesn't get its, its real due, I think. A lot of people kind of look at that as, aren't they the same? But uh, depending on the situation, they're certainly not the same. Um, as an engine company, if, if we're hoping that that the guys in a truck are, are venting to help control the fire versus either maybe we're trapped or one of us is in a, in a tight spot here, we need to somehow move or channel that fire like Arthur was saying earlier. What are some of the things we could do to work together to make these things happen? Trying to know why, trying to know why we do what we do. Horizontal ventilation, why we're not going to, you know, go to the roof or something. Give you an example. And this happened in June. Uh, fourplex, two-story, by our first floor, right-hand side. Um, engine company and chauffeur makes a grab on the back balcony. My ladder company in the rear, been in a search, got a lady out of the second floor. Um Active searches going on after they did the veneer search and got her out. I went back in and continued to search and met another ladder company in the hallway upstairs. As the fire was being, you know, fought, and it was, a, it, we, it's, it was so hot that we had we had guys on the engine company that their masks were 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 destroyed, their helmets and everything. They were taking a beating going in the front, but we knew it was an occupied place. We've got people searching and stuff. So my ladder company. Well, actually, I, I, it was me because I came to the front of the building and I, there's five windows. And I'm like, those windows need to be ventilated because they're half up, they're cracked, there's black smoke still coming out, but it's not the black smoke that's going to light up. So I'm like, I got a first floor fire. I'm not going to ventilate the roof. I'm not going to draw it up the, the, step, the shared stairwell into the victim's apartments where some doors were open and straight up and out. That's a no-go. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a horizontal. I'm near the ladder truck. My crew is working. I hop up on the turntable. Uh, an officer needs to know how to use his truck, regardless if you're on the engine or whatever. You should be able to do everything on the truck. If up and out, we don't put, we don't put the aerial devices on a building like that unless we truly need to because we can raise a ground ladder faster than anything. But it was going to take guys longer to raise a ladder, take a window, roll a ladder because all hands were working, roll a ladder to another window, take that window to, to raise all this heat and smoke off of these victims in there and off the search team. So I take a ladder, what I do, put it in, rake the window down, bring it out, put it in at the top, rake the window down, put it in all the way across there. And I will tell you something, I got in trouble for it. I'm an incident commander. Said I should have been in the roof. That's not, and that example right there shows that he does not know ventilation with 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 a fire with a fire on the first floor. 
I would have cooked everybody on the second floor, bringing everything up and out in that, into, the, into that shared hallway. You know, my thing is, is opening windows, you're bidding for life. I was bidding for life from the outside. You can bid for life from the inside. That's the way we do it. I want to, I want to raise, you know, if I take a window in a room, I can guarantee you I'm closing the door to it. Because what is that? That's an opening that is, is that I can't control if the door's open. And venting for fire, you know, that's the outside vent man. You know, he could be out there venting for fire. I'm waiting for to, to vent it on that end. I could be venting it on another other end of the house away from my engine company as well, but never do it behind them. You know, I was talking, I was talking to uh, Jeff today and I said, you know, one of the best videos out there is Terre Haute, Indiana, of what not to do when you're going into a, a house. The, the house fire in the rear, completely lit up, nighttime. We got five guys inside on a hand line. Looks like a craftsman-style house. And there's a guy on the front porch, and he, he vents the, the picture window. He, he just lit it up. He lit it up. It gave it oxygen to everything. It lit up all that smoke from the front door all the way to the back and all those guys in there. Everyone that came out were balls of steam. See, that's 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 right there. Guys, people have glass fetishes, if you ask me. You gotta take the windows out all the way around. That's how it's done. But you know what? Until the internet, until the social media, until until all that stuff, nobody knew why they were doing what they were doing. Nobody was even exposed to it. Unless you live near a large city where they had their stuff, you know, together. You were not learning stuff or you knew somebody or you were, like you said, I've buffed a lot of fires. I've went to other fire departments, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and rode with them, larger departments when you could do it to get exposed to it. We've got people that don't know why we do what we do. And then breaking a window with crews inside or lighting it up or drawing it this way. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I like to call that uh, vandalism instead of ventilation. Vandalism. I like that. <laughs> We need ventilation, not vandalism. Yeah. Makes things go a little bit better. Yeah. So, Chad, I, I haven't seen you just sit there and play with your mustache in quite a while. This is quite a treat from you tonight. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. I do have a question for Captain Ashley. Uh, training. Okay. So, you know. Engine company is what we do. We travel the country teaching it. And we have come up with really good drills. Besides building a roof prop outside the back of your station, how do you practice getting the cuts? Because, I mean, if guys aren't going to fires, they're losing their skills. Do you just have to take a class every time it comes through? What do you, what do you got recommendations for practicing cuts? Well, that, that's the thing is, is that there's no greater thing to, to, to train on than actually making a cut knowing the saw itself. Yeah. Knowing a 26-pound rotary saw versus a 16-pound still 460, 461 or 462. I mean, you've got to know how to cut and everything like that. You could take, you know, there's people who've made these uh, the uh, fake chainsaws with chalk and stuff to learn the cuts. And I'm good, and I'm fine with that because you're getting a visual of how we do the cuts. I mean, there's different cuts. I do different cuts for flat roofs. I do different cuts for, for commercial roofs. And I do different cuts for a walkable and a non-walkable pitched roof. Anytime that you, and I hate to see guys make or, or purchase or have built a uh, training prop 
with the training, with the ventilation prop on top. Because here's the thing, from the new guy to everybody else to a quick reset, the biggest thing about training is a quick reset. And I like my training prop, especially a, a walkable pitch or a non-walkable pitch, to be where I can step onto it from the ground. Now, if you're in training at our academy, we want you to learn to climb a ladder first. We want you to learn to climb a ladder with tools first. We want you to learn to cut the hole from the ground. Then we want you to bring it and put it together because there's nothing worse than teach the guy to cut a hole on a three-story uh, training uh, facility at a uh, 9-12 pitch who's never, number one, climbed the ladder a lot. Number two, never doesn't know how to carry a rotary saw to the roof that he's needing or other tools. Number three, doesn't know how to get from point A to point B to make that cut. So I tell guys that, hey, put everything on the ground. If you want to cut flat roofs, you know, one of the big things we do that, that I can't say we that I've done is I make friends with Lowe's. I make friends with Home Depot. I find the go to the contractor section. I find the person who's in charge, bring them the best donuts in the city. I say, here. You have anything that is like OSB, two by fours, two by twelves, anything, drywall, doors, whatever, and it's damaged, come and get it because they can't sell it. They can't send it back. They would rather me come and get it because they're getting they're getting, you know, they're getting credit for it. I'll bring it back, store it until I need it. And it's free. Absolutely free. I don't know how many classes I've done somewhere and walked in and say, hey, or I've set it up at that fire department to say, hey. These guys need this and that. It's all how you talk to people, too. But when you're doing roof ventilation, it has to be where everybody can see it. Not everybody can be on the roof. It has to be where there's a quick reset. There has to be where you can add fake smoke to it and close it in and stuff. It has to be where they know why they're doing it. Not just how, but why. And there's no getting around the roof ventilation thing. You've got to put your hands in the saw. Versus, you know, if you're a paid department, you should chuck your saw should be ch uh, started and checked 365 times. A volunteer department should be checked at least 52 times. That's, you know, a week, 52 weeks. And it's, it's, it's a, it's baby steps. It's baby steps. You do this, this, and this. It's all baby steps. But, and there's no getting, there's no getting around. Um, not using the saw to become proficient with the saw. It's muscle memory and repetitions. It creates muscle memory. I would, I would say the uh, the equivalent to that is when uh, we're out training and uh, Jeff's and, and our, our Jeff's philosophy, our, the way we teach, uh, we, we take everything down into skill stations and then we employ them uh, later in the day with scenarios so that each one of the companies that we're working with has a chance to do everything from pulling the line off the engine, filling it up, making sure they got an appropriate flowing line, doing the, the nozzle mechanics, doing the hose management, communicating, making the turns, getting to the objective. Um, those are all little bits and pieces that they put it all together at the end. Um, so what we're trying to avoid is when people say, well, I went to a class, I learned how to uh, learn how to use a nozzle. But where did you, wh what did you learn about the nozzle? What's behind it? How did you get there? What was the team saying to make it get there? It's like all the tiny little things that go along with it. Um, are you seeing this also in the truck training where 
guys are interested in, you know, learn how to force entry or they're learning how to uh, pull ceilings, but do they see it, the progression of how each one of those skills maybe could be two or three or four things down the line? They might've been at that fire for 20 minutes before they did something like that. Is that something that you're familiar with in, in witnessing the in some of the classes? I, what I think the problem is, I think that unless they're exposed to it on a daily basis or unless they're eat up with it, like, you know, we wouldn't be doing this, you know, if we didn't love it, you know. I think if they're not exposed to it, there's no muscle memory, no repetition or anything like that that's created. I think they lose it. And from, you know, we know that water from the pump to the end of the nozzle, there's a lot that goes on. And, you know, I was sitting here thinking about scenarios. I love it when guys pull up in the engine and for a scenario, they pull their hand lines. But I've also been deployed a ram or a stinger or something else because you may have to do that. Um, on the truck side of it, um, there, there's a method to the madness of truck work. And I think sometimes um, you can slow down on some of the, the disciplines to make them understand. And you can get up close and personal. Um, the one thing that I don't like is, is when a class is so big that we're running them through like cattle. They're not learning anything. They're just going through the motions. Uh, um, I've been involved with some hands-on classes at FDIC. Uh, that's where that's where I met Shoot. I met Shoot there, FDIC, doing the, the class with uh, Ray McCormick. And we was talking about, I think your daughter was going to school in Louisville, something down there. But we talked. This was many, many years ago. And But when you have classes that, that, that big, they're not learning anything. Hey, I went to class and I pulled a line. Okay, what else did you do? I don't know, man. That's it. I think that, that, that you know, and, but we also have to be careful with, too, with who's teaching these classes. That's a big thing this day and time. Guys are they're creating training groups. They're, they're teaching. They're, and I've been to places where I'll show up. I'm, you know, I'm not saying everything that I do is correct, but I have my way. But I'll start hearing how they've been taught to the guy here, the guy here, the guy there. And I'm like, that is completely wrong. I don't know where you got your information, but, you know, you try to be nice about it. But I do see exactly what you're saying. It's, it's the same thing. And, and it's um, the best way to combat that. And it's hard to do when you're teaching these classes because, you know, when we come in somewhere, when you guys come in somewhere, it's usually a conference. It's usually something like that. It's a large group. It's usually sold out, stuff like that. And we have to move people through and do their things. But I like that intimate setting where I got 20 to 25 guys for eight hours, if that makes sense. I think I think that sometimes we lose the training aspect of it when we try to go with the huge classes. And I know they're trying to make money for their either their organization or for a good cause or for the conference or the fire department, whatever it is. And, and I get that. But I think a lot of things are lost. Do they pick up stuff? Sure. They're going to pick up stuff from shoot. They're going to pick up stuff from Chad. They're going to pick up stuff from you. They're going to pick up stuff from me. And that's good because if they pay attention to it, that's great. But I think sometimes they miss the overall picture and they get wore out by the end of the day because we all know that if you wear them down, they're not going to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can all, uh, as instructors, we can, firmly say that we would rather have a smaller class where a smaller populated class where we can really get into the weeds with people. And, and not only do you get to know them better, 
then there's also a higher level of trust in you as an instructor because they get a chance to really bounce things off you and we get we go right back to the why you're doing this and uh, this makes a huge difference for sure absolutely yeah and and for you to say that you've noticed that there's some people out there that that may be elevating themselves as instructors versus letting letting that you know time in the business elevate them to that point uh yeah very true very true if if my beware is if somebody's putting on their own conference so they can teach that's probably one you should maybe reconsider like find people that have the whiskers to show you like hey been doing this for a few decades now let me show you what i've picked up uh, i think that's the way to go all seven of us here that's in this meeting together right now knows somebody who's teaching like that knows somebody that needs a little more seasoning needs a little more salt or anything like that but we're friends with them and you know you try you know the one thing about me is, is when i started teaching about 13 years ago ray mccormick got me to teach on the national level he talked to me he, he said something that changed me and i said you know i've been teaching at home i've got experience stuff it changed me but People, when they get it, they, they, they don't get exposed to something and they try to teach it and stuff. It's just, it's, you're going, you're, you're, you're going to get somebody hurt. Uh, these people, I never let them forget where I came from. I give everybody five minutes of my time. I don't care who you are because I don't forget who puts me at this level of people listening, want me to talk and speak, which is very humbling to me, which means I must be doing something right or saying something right. But I also caution them, throw caution to the wind on people that just because a guy works somewhere doesn't mean he's good at his job. Because he could have, has he got 20 years, 30 years experience, or has he repeated the first year 30 times? We, we all know somebody like that. There's guys on my job, there's guys I know, there's guys across the country that I absolutely love, would drink a beer with, talk about family and all that stuff, but I don't want to crawl down a hallway with them. I don't want to do it. And we all know those people. So yeah. uh, just tell, I just tell people, be aware of who you've got coming to tea. Yeah. Yeah. Check the resume. Betting is big time. Big time. <laughs> right on. All right, fellas, we got to be pushing an hour here. Um, I like to, kind of, I like to, like to round it up real quick here. Um, engine and truck work for me. Uh, I work in a smaller department. I could be asked uh, to do some truck work uh, arriving on an engine. And like Arthur said, it, you have to be prepared and you have to have the mindset for it. Um, and that is just how it is in a lot of places. So be proficient with uh, your saws, how to operate in a search. Um, it's a big deal. It makes a big difference. It makes the, makes the fires go a lot better if, if you can transition into that role seamlessly if, if needed. Um, like if you guys could just pop off a little bit about the relationship between the two types of uh, work and then uh, we'll, we'll call this a call this a night. Jerry, you want to step in? Yeah. Um, the mission is the same. It's to protect the victims, suppress the fire. So to Arthur's point of understanding what the fire dynamics are and what, whether you're on the engine, what effect you're, you're going to have on a fire, whether you're on a truck, what effect you're going to have on a fire. 
the the acid test is is what you're going to do. Does it support the mission? Uh, truck or engine? The questions the same. The mission's the same. The tools and the tactics are a little different. But uh, I think to Arthur's point, you got to be thinking. You got to you got to take in the whole situation. Yeah. John. John, you there? Same here. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Sorry about All right. that. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, no, go on, next guy. All right, you'll pass. Good enough. Wow. <laughs> I'll let you do it. Do what? Oh man! All right. No, you know, I, again, I, I, I'm the, I'm the old fart here. I'm the fop, <laughs> as my one daughter calls me. Okay. And for those of you who can't figure out that acronym, sometimes when I'm in a bar or doing a class, I might let you know what it is. But anyways, uh, I guess I've been lucky enough to be, you know, out there for several years. And I've got to see what the fire service was like many, many years ago and where it is now. And I think we all agree, everyone on this uh, panel tonight, we're all about the basics and the principles. And again, I use that word, refocus. And the other word that was given to me the other day, there was two words that I picked up when we were down there in this, in uh, Nashville over over the weekend. First one was refocus, which is I th what I think we need to do to get the uh, train back on the track for many places and maybe even pick it up a little for others. But the other one was wisdom. And again, you know, take a look, taking a look at the way the old fire service used to operate when you had trucks and so forth. You know, some departments had a truck, but they never drove it to the fire unless it was a real big fire where they had one person to get in the cab and drive it out there, you know, and try to find a place to fit it in on the fire ground with all those engines and medic wagons and all that other stuff in front of the fire building and so forth. So, like I say, you know, we need to look at the old wisdoms, the old ways of doing things, the principles and practices, and 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 get back to those. And you know, that's sadly, as the fire service and so many young people, you take a look at the age breakdown of the American Fire Service. What do we have, by the way, Jer? About one point one million, one point two million people in the American Fire Service now. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Okay. So when you take a look at the age breakdown and when people have been coming into the job, they're learning something now, but they've never heard about the past histories. Like I said earlier also is that we've gotten away from histories of fires, histories of firefighting, histories of why we do things and how they work in the fire ground. You know, it's kind of funny because, you know, there was a big uh, – I, I won't say scare, but there was a big thing out there a couple of years ago. It's remember all oh, this new construction. Oh my gosh. You know, it's going to kill off firemen right and left and things like that. The big scare about that. You know, it's interesting. You're finding buildings, houses, mixed multiples, whatever that are a hundred years old or better. That many cities, Arthur, you're in Lexington, you're an old, I've been downtown, yeah, beautiful. But man, you got some old, old buildings. And look, Jer, 
Micah, you know, so why are we forsaking what was what we already have there to understand the ventilation techniques and the firefighting techniques and so forth, you know, to, to fall into this. Oh, my God, it's another thing that we're running into. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Understanding. So we've we've kind of uh, shot ourselves in the foot with all the latest scare tactics about what buildings we're running into and what the latest hazards are and things like that. Back to the principles and practices, man. The old timers were right. Yeah. Maintain the discipline. Yeah. Micah, give us a little bit here. No, I just, uh, I really liked what I heard tonight. And thank you again, Arthur, for jumping on. I can't stress it enough for fire departments who don't practice the engine and truck company disciplines. They really need to refocus and reevaluate the principles of the job because it's night and day difference. If you ever get the chance to work on a fire department that do and does practice those two disciplines, it, you'll take it back to your original fire department and go, why have we not been doing this? It's been going on for 150 plus years and they'll come up with a list of excuses. And, and I'd like to hear more from you, Arthur, about years, do's and don'ts for those fire departments that don't have a truck company discipline. Um, uh, I would just like to see how you would try and teach their culture in different ways. And that'd be for another time. But thanks again. Thank you. Jeff. Well, I, don't, I really don't think there's anything that hasn't already been said. Uh, Arthur, Thank you for coming on. You're, I don't know if you know this. You're the first guest we've ever had on Firefighting Fridays. Uh, no. Um, huh? Think so. Yeah. And uh, I've known you for about yeah. years. And I just wanted to thank you for not sucking tonight. Because they would have <laughs> killed me if it had turned out bad. I think you know my passion for this. I know. This, the fire service. I think it, uh, you know, I think you understand it. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, got everybody, this will be on uh, airs Friday, and uh, it'll be uh, come on Friday, and it'll be on our website shortly thereafter. So if you miss anything, you'll be able to look it up on strategicfiretraining.com. Right on. And uh, before you go, Arthur, what's the going to be the name of the book that's coming out in April? Uh, it's the non-traditional truck company, and it's uh, we were well over hundred some pages and it, it it breaks it down from the basics to tips and tricks three smart skills that work uh how to do truck work better and also how to as an engine company coming up realizing that hey there may be a point to where i don't have a static source i don't have a positive water source i have a 750 gallon tank i have an apartment complex here that's blazing my my help is 30 minutes away, and it's just us right now. You may have to go from engine to rescue mode. You may have to go from engine to, to search mode because of what's being presented. We want them to think like a truck, but we want them to perform like an engine if you have to. They're coming in as engines. The best thing. what we're pushing, what we're pushing is to be flexible, keep it simple, keep it basic, be able to work on both sides of the, of, of the floor and communication and making decisions. And it's also a lot of stuff in there from the IC standpoint as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's 
it's a book that I think that's been needed for a long time. And it's four departments that are engine based and have no trucks. And they use the excuse of we can't do truck work. We can't do this or that. So it changes the outlook on, I hope it changes the way the fire service. And I hope if if whoever runs with it says, you know what, this is a good idea and come up with a program. Okay. Looking forward to checking it out. Thanks. All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, joining us here and uh, getting in on the conversation with us. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll catch up with you at the next episode. Till then, stay safe.